Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to find and follow your purpose. I'm your host, Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the Network for Transformational Leaders, also the creator of Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. Every week, I interview some of the world's leading thought leaders who not only share their life stories, but practical tips and advice on how you can become the highest version of yourself and build a life in alignment with your soul. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and open your free account so you can see behind the scenes videos of our interviews and get your free Pearls of Wisdom ebook. Join our community of changemakers, making a difference on the planet. Making a di- making a di- and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me Brian Scrone. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Kitty. Thanks so much for having me. All the way from beautiful, sunny Florida, it looks like in the background. It is beautiful. I actually just got out of the surf. I, uh, one of my passions is surfing, so that's my, my exercise. And uh, I just got out about a half hour ago, so I'm happy to be here with you. Oh, great way to start the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, Brian is a successful real estate entrepreneur and he's the author of the Amazon bestseller, What Matters Most. He was inspired to write the book after pretty much losing everything in the economic downturn and building himself back, back up emotionally and physically much stronger. And he's here today to share his life story with Kitty Talks. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and I'll start by saying I don't have it all figured out, which, which you and I talked about earlier, but uh Happy to share my story and hopefully inspire some people. I'm, I'm sort of at the point, Kitty, in my life where I'm more excited about helping people um, than I am worried about being judged because I have a pretty dodgy background and a lot of chaos I got myself into, but we can talk about that as much as you'd like. Well, I'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about who you are now and, and what you do in the world currently. Sure, sure. So today I am a, a, a young father. I have a beautiful wife and, and uh, four and five year old boy, so I have a very busy household. Um, currently, we run a couple companies, and I'm, I'm launching a new brand called What Matters Most, uh, which we can talk about later. But it's it's the book that I just uh, just released that you referred to. And my background, you mentioned, is in uh, real estate investments. So we, when I say we, I have a childhood friend, a business partner, that we started our first portfolio about 20 years ago. Uh, it went really well. We started out broke. It went really well very quickly. Um, by, by the time we were 30, we were multimillionaires. And then by the time we were 32, we were uh, talking to bankruptcy attorneys because 2008 happened and we plowed all of the, yeah, we plowed all of the money that we, we made out of California um, between 2000 and 2006 um, into Florida in 2006 and 2007. And by 2008, the GFC happened and the world was unraveling and we were trying to keep our shirts on. So we went on this roller coaster, uh, you know, started out broke, made a lot of the money very quickly, almost lost it all. And then 2012 is when we dipped our toe back in the investment waters in Florida. That's when we felt like we bottomed out and 
fast forward to today, we're back up to, uh, you know, 150 houses and um, doing fairly well. We don't have it all figured out, like I said, but we're, we're stabilized and we're blessed. And my, my hyper focus at where I'm at in my life today is, is to serve and to uh, try and help people through my, you know, the story in my book and giving a lot of talks. I speak on a lot of stages around the world and I'm a big fan of masterminds and, uh, just happy to share my story and hopefully uh, inspire some people. Well, thank you. Because what we love to do at Kitty Talks is inf- uh, interview people like yourself, um, where they do talk about their background, their story, their journey, so others can be inspired by what you've gone through and hopefully learn for actually from some of your mistakes, Brian, if you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd love you to take me back to kind of almost, I think you said teenage years were when things started to go a little bit off track for you. Is that right? Yeah, they didn't go a little bit off track. They went completely <laughs> <Okay>. off the rails. <laughs> okay, so tell me more. <laughs> so yeah, I, I joke and I like to blame it on uh, on uh, going through puberty and having a hormonal uh, you know war inside of me when I turned thirteen, which probably a lot of you know there's a little bit of joke there, but there's probably a little bit of reality too. I think a lot of teenagers, um, I, I give a lot of talks to the millennials and to some younger groups and. You know, for me personally, when I hit 13, I just, I went off the rails, Kitty. I, I, I can't put a finger on it. I just, I, I've, I've sat around and thought about it and try to put my finger on it. I don't have like an exact um, moment in, when I turned 13 that sort of sent me off the rails. It was more of a gradual progression. But I started drinking heavily. I started doing a lot of drugs. Uh, that part laid into me selling drugs for a living for a good, you know, Five ten years. Get in with it, fall in with the wrong crowd, or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In the book, I talk about how I immediately, when I went to high school, I came from a pretty small town, and when I went to high school, it was a bunch of towns coming together basically to form this high school. So I was exposed to a lot of older kids, a lot of different kids, and I immediately was drawn to that older crowd and just got exposed to stuff that I was not ready for, Um, and started sleeping around. you know, very, very tumultuous, very unhealthy relationships with, with uh, women. And all of that debauchery sort of culminated between the years of thir- when I turned 13 and when I was about 21. When I turned 21, I got two different women pregnant in a six-month time frame, and both of those pregnancies resulted in abortions. And I was raised in a Roman Catholic uh, upbringing with a very dogmatic, you know, my father's a deacon in the Catholic church. So it was a pretty dogmatic environment I grew up in. Um, and abortions are like the cardinal sin of the church that I was raised in. So I really, really, that sent me into a tailspin of self-loathing and depression and just a really dark place. Mm. Um, and I wallowed around in shit for a couple of years, just to be honest with you, from like 2021 20, to about 24 I mean, I was pretty depressed. I, I worked myself through it, not by myself. I, I reached out to help. I hired a shrink. She gave me some really cool tools. Um, and I got, I got these words of wisdom from a complete stranger one day when I was, uh, was living in Santa Barbara, California at the time. And that's where all of this, a lot of the trouble sort of culminated there. And I was depressed. I didn't really know anyone in Santa Barbara because I grew up in New, New York, New Jersey, on the other side of the country. Mm. Uh, beautiful, beautiful environment in Santa Barbara. I don't know if you've been there, but it's one of the prettiest places in the world. But that didn't mean anything to me because I was completely depressed and just beating myself up and 
So uh, I picked up surfing and that was a, that's still a passion of mine today, like I said. But the ocean was flat one day. I went for a walk up the, the mountain in Santa Barbara. It's a beautiful coastal region where you have mountains coming right down to the beach. So the surf was flat. I took a walk up this mountain uh, with my dog. I came back and put the dog in the car and uh, turned around and there was this young priest getting in, in his car in the parking lot across the street. And something just caused me to, to push me to reach out to him. I rolled down the windows so my, I could leave my dog in the car because I knew this was probably not going to be a quick conversation. And I said, I said to the priest, I said, do you, do you mind if I uh, grab your ear for a minute? And he said, no, no problem. So he took me back into the the uh, retreat where he was studying to be, you know, to be a, a priest or a monk. And I just sat him down and I spilled my beans. I went into all kinds of detail of, you know, the arrests and the drugs and sleeping with women and the, the abortions. But to be honest with you, for, to be honest with you, Kitty, for me, all of the energy and the negativity was around these abortions. I just couldn't forgive myself for whatever reason. Um, I was seeing myself as just really evil and, you know, not a good person and questioning, you know, why life and do I deserve to even to live after I've taken the lives of these, these young innocent children. And um, so I, I spilled the beans to the priest and he stopped me in the middle of one of my sentences. And he said, you know, there's two ways you can go about this. You can continue to beat yourself up, which obviously is not, not working for you. No. Uh, or you can look at yourself as one of the luckiest human beings in the face of the planet. He said, because now you have these two beautiful guardian angels that are going to look out and protect you and these unborn children and these abortions for the rest of your life. And it was like, it was like one of those aha moments where you have like these tunnel vision moments where I felt like I was in a movie scene and everything went quiet. Very, really, really peaceful for me. And all of that chaos and all of that guilt and all of that fear and anxiety, it felt like it just lifted off of me when that, that complete stranger said those words to me. Um, and, you know, for me, I feel like, I feel like he was like an angel talking to me, to be honest with you, because he didn't, he didn't know me from, you know, never met each other. To be honest, to be honest with you, Kitty, to this day, I don't know his name. I don't know if he's still living. He's a young guy, so I'm sure he is. But um, those words, those words of wisdom completely transformed my life. I'm going to say it totally sounds like you managed to kind of shift your perspective and shift you out of the, the you know depression that you were in and make you see this situation in a different light. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that was the start of a trajectory in a different position because I was going down, down, down. And uh, I I didn't walk out of his office and have it all figured out and, you know, um, and went into a complete, you know, blissful moment. But it was definitely one of those one of those experiences that I was like, you know, those words just totally, it, it, I went from being in a crisis to being in an opportunity to take the experience that I had and make it a, you know, make it a story that I could share with people and hopefully, you know, help people. And when you look back at those teenage years now, can you kind of see why you needed to go through that? Or what, what was the learning that you got from that, those years? Yeah, so I do, I do, I did reflect on it and I still do to this day. Um, I, I think that the way I was related to the way I was raised in this Catholicism and the Catholic Church, and I'm not here to beat up religion or Catholicism because there's beauty in everything, and I try and find beauty in everything. But for me, I found it to be very, um, it, it, it laid a, a lot of guilt on me. It was more of a, it was more of a fear-based thing for me. And, that, and that's just how I processed, processed it. Like I said, there's lots of beautiful Catholics out there. My parents are still uh, heavily involved in that, and I see the beauty in it for them. But for me, it didn't work. For whatever reason, the way I was processing that was very fear-based and very guilt-ridden. 
And um, I think that's probably why I decided to go off the rails because I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I don't like authority. I don't like staying in the box. And that was putting me in a box and I just was, you know, clawing and fighting my way to get out. And I think the way that that came out of me was drugging and drinking and selling drugs and sleeping with women and just, just going off the rails, just being very anti-authoritarian, you know? Well, almost like a release from the infrastructure that you were being given as a child. Yeah, it was basically a big F you, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And I suppose, and also like, I, you know, I've, I have a similar experience in my life in the way I was kind of brought up as well. And I think sometimes like it's too repressive. So we have to find a way of almost breaking out of it. But obviously you then, your thinking was still uh, beating yourself up around, you know, what you've been taught or, or where, how you've been brought up really. Yeah. Yeah. So slowly and sure, but surely that was the kind of start of you turning things around. So well, like that was what beginning of your twenties. And then you, how did you get into real estate? Yeah, um, living in Santa Barbara, like I said, one of the most expensive places in North America. Um, and I was teaching at the time. I was teaching special ed. I was making about $9 an hour. Um, and I could not pay the rent. I couldn't pay the credit card minimum payments. So really, what what caused us to look outside of working for somebody else and trying to start this entrepreneurial path and work for ourselves was the, was the pain and the suffering of not being able to pay the bills. I was like, you know, if we're going to work for ourselves, if we're going to be working, let's mining, mining, mining somebody's business, let's mine our own. Um, so we started looking at different business opportunities, different industries. All of our homework and due diligence brought us back to, um, honestly, to be quite honest with you and transparent, we were hyper-focused on money because we didn't have any and we couldn't pay the bills. So we had this pain of trying to figure out the money game. Um, so we looked at, you know, doing homework and looking at, you know, the most, most of the millionaires or quote unquote successful financial people in the United States were heavily involved in real estate. If they didn't start in real estate, they made their money somewhere else. And then they really, they really, yeah, they really got wealthy by parlaying that into real estate investments. Um, so we did our first deal when we were 25 years old, uh, made a ton of mistakes the first few years. But fairly quickly, we got involved with the right people, you know, and any business that you're involved in is about the people that you're involved with. It's, it's no more complicated than that. Yeah. You could be selling real estate, you could be uh, selling surfboards or books or whatever your, whatever your niche is. Ultimately, it's a numbers game and a people business. So we got hooked up with some really good people fairly quickly and bought a couple hundred houses and held on to them. This is at a time in history when the U.S. banks were very lenient with uh, investor loans. So we just leveraged, leveraged, leveraged. Uh, we doubled down on a, on a market in California, um, and it went really well. And did you just learn as you went, or did you have any formal training, or did you just literally kind of learn as you went through? A little bit of both. So we, the, you know, our biggest biggest learning curve or best lesson was the first deal we did, you know, just actually getting our feet wet and actually doing a deal. We were scared shit. I mean, I had credit card debt at the time and we were about to sign on, um, sign on a loan for a, at the time it was like a couple hundred thousand dollar triplex in California. Mm. Uh, we borrowed money from a family member. Um, we put together a real simple business plan, did, did some homework to make sure that we were, um, you know, getting into a market that had some fundamentals. But to be honest with you, Kitty, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. <laughs> um, and we uh, reached out to a woman on the ground in the market that we were in that was really successful. She was about 
55, 60 year old, 60 year old uh, woman at the time that had been investing in that market. And was she was actually one of the who's who for business women in America. Um, at first she was turned off by us. She thought that we were, you know, we were probably trying just to get rich quick and didn't know what we were doing, but we, we earned her trust and she took us under her wing and she was what I would consider our first business mentor. Um, and we did really well with her. Um, you know, between 2000 and 2006, we made uh, a few million dollars, but then we, you know, we plowed it into Florida in the worst time in, in U.S. real estate history and basically lost it all between 06 and 08. And, um, you know, where were you at your own kind of development? Like, did you see that coming? Was it a complete shock? You did, didn't see it coming totally? Lost no, I was... No, no clue. Um, you know, it's funny because we were in business for a few years. We did very well. Uh, we at that point we had done a few hundred real estate transactions, but we had we were clueless when it came to real estate markets. We thought because we we made this money in California, we could push it into a market where there was, you know, quote unquote projected cash on cash positive cash flow, and the world completely unraveled right in front of our eyes. So. Um, it was humbling, to be honest with you. I'm happy it happened. I know that sounds crazy, yeah. but I I think that we got real. We got too big for our britches, and we started, you know, hiring all kinds of people. We started living above our means. We got cocky, um, and the world quieted us down fairly quickly. Um, I was I just met my wife at that time, so when I met her, we were again, you know, making a lot of money, um, and then within a year and a half or two of being married. I had to go to her and say, honey, I, I can't pay the light bill. I can't pay the mortgage. I can't, I can't do anything. I can't pay anything. Um, and I learned a lot about my wife at that time. She got behind me, was very supportive. She put food on the table for a couple of years. Um, so I was really, really you know, fortunate and blessed to have a partner that was uh, behind me. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, really. You learn a lot about a relationship, I think, when you go through times of hardship. That's when you really learn. <laughs> So talk me through the next part of the story, because it sounds to me like a lot, a lot of people got burned in 2008 and a lot of people were a bit too big for their breaches. And a lot of people actually thought, you know, went bankrupt and, and have come back from that. Like, um, did you shift spiritually at that point as well? Yeah, to be honest with you, 2008 for me is, is when I started applying the, the five F's that I talk about in the book. Um, I, I, I had heard about the five F's from a business mentor probably 18 years ago. And I wrote it down. It sort of went in one ear, out the other. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And to be honest with you, he didn't go into detail about it. He sort of just, we're in this mastermind in Austin, Texas. His name is Keith Cunningham. I don't know if you know him. He's just, oh, he yeah, awesome. he's great fun. I've seen, yeah. him, I've seen him speak a couple of times and he's hilarious. Phenomenal. Yeah, big big old Texan guy. Right. Um, we we hired him as a, as a mentor right at the beginning of our business. And he's the one that sort of, our memories big guy throws up his hand and says, you know, there's these five relationships. Everyone's touching them. They're faith, fitness, family, friends, and finance. And I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. I wrote it down. Never went back to it until 2008 when I, when I went through this financial crisis that I was dealing with. Um, and I said, you know what, I got to figure out, I got to put some structure around my life because I am ADD. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm all over the place. I said, I, I need to really think about what, number one, what are my priorities? Number two, how am I going to invest my time here forward? Um, and out of that became this, this talk that, that is now, you know, turned into a book that's, uh, 
gone viral pretty quickly and is helping a lot of people. I think the reason why it's gone viral quickly is because everyone is everyone wants to figure out what matters most for them, and everyone wants to be clear on their priorities, and everyone's touching these five Fs, these these five relationships. But I think the the harsh reality is, Giddy, is, is that there's a disconnect or a congruency gap between what people are telling themselves are their priorities around the five Fs mm. and how they're in, how they're investing their time. There's a complete disconnect, and I'm speaking from experience. I'm not judging or pointing the finger at people, but I've interviewed and I've spoken to thousands of people now about these relationships, and I've never met somebody that didn't have a disconnect between how they were telling themselves they prioritize these five things and how they were investing their time. So for me to use it as an example. Yeah, kind of small. Yeah, I was saying, I was telling myself that faith was my my number one priority. So the way I present them, faith, fitness, family, friends, and finance is how I personally prioritize them. And that's very, very personal. It's very subjective. So I'm not here to, I'm not here to prescribe to anyone, but I am here to tell you that everyone's touching those five relationships. They may have different words for them, they may call it something different, but at the end of the day, you and I, people in Africa, young children, old people are all touching those five Fs. And I was sitting there telling myself, faith is the number, my number one priority. And then I looked at how I was spending my time on a daily basis and how I was investing my time. And I had to call bullshit with myself. I was spending like five minutes, like five half-ass minutes a day on my faith. You know, I would have a, either a prayer or a meditation. Um, and then that was it. And I would just then run around like a chicken for the rest of the day and chase, chase money and tell myself that, you know, my family was important, but the reality is I was working my ass off. Um, I was working 12, 12 hours a day and I was spending, you know, an hour or two a day working on my family. So I had to call bullshit on myself. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that because at the end of the day, Kitty, we all have the same 16 waking hours in the day. And I talk about this a lot in the book. So there's an even playing field when it comes to time. Yeah, um, you and you and I, the homeless guy that lives in Florida, president of the United States, the prime minister of Great Britain, we all got the same 16 waking hours of the day. So if that's true, and no one can argue that, what are you doing? How are you investing your time on a daily basis? And that's really 2008 for me was a big wake up call in number one, how do I prioritize those relationships? And number two, where am I spending my time? So I try to simplify. The older I get, the more simplicity I want. I think that there's a lot of beauty in simplicity. Um, and I think it's one of the most spiritual things that you can um, work on is, is simplifying your life. So for me, I just, when I wake up in the morning, I'm real clear on those, how I prioritize those five relationships. And then that, that directs and guides how I invest my time. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that can relate to that because, we all got the same 16 waking hours and we're all touching those five relationships. So talk me through how your life looked then and talk me through how your life looks now. Yeah, how my life looked then, um, I woke up in the morning and I was in complete reaction mode. It was chaos from the morning, from the moment that my feet hit the floor in the morning. I would run to my phone, check my emails and see how many creditors and bankers were chasing me of bills that I couldn't pay. Um, I might try and throw a five minute meditation in there, which was basically my mind was just on a, on a hamster wheel. Um, so I, I wouldn't even call it meditation. And then I just basically was in reaction mode from the time I hit my feet hit the floor in the morning until the time I went to bed. But I, I was, I was in enough pain. I think that pain is an interesting thing. Um, 
it's either a crisis or an opportunity. And I started asking myself and going back to my notes from, from my days with Keith Cunningham, you know, 15 years prior on, okay, well, if there's these five relationships and I got the same 16 waking hours as everyone else, what the hell am I going to do with my time? So to be honest with you, for the first couple of years, 2008 to 2011, I was in chaos. I was just trying to avoid bankruptcy, basically, fight off creditors, um, you know, maintain a healthy marriage because I was newly married. Um, I had all kinds of investors I had to answer to. I had lots of uncomfortable conversations I had to have with bankers and creditors and vendors and investors. Um, but I, I started to look, pull out and, and create a, my calendar, uh, my daily task, and say, and say, okay, well, there's these five relationships. And finances, I'm completely fucked right now. Let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> um, and so what's important to me? What matters most? Which is the name of the book. The name of the book is What Matters Most. Um, so I asked myself that question on a daily basis when I would look at what, what matters most today? What matters most? And so I started taking a step back and saying, the reality is I can't pay my bills anyway. Um, I'm going to work through this. Um, unfortunately for me, my wife put food on the table. So I wasn't at a point in my life where I was homeless and you know picking fruit out of a tree to feed myself. I had a roof over my head. I had base, my basic needs met. And I think that's a big thing for people to think about and ask themselves. Mm. If, you're, if your basic needs are met, then, then it really becomes about what are your wants? What matters most to you? Mm. Um, and so I started taking a step back and I said, if, if faith is really important to me, because I was raised in a, a dogmatic environment, but I do enjoy, um, for me, it's more about spirituality than it is about religion. Yes. Um, and so I started a, a yoga practice, a meditation practice. I said, if I'm going to figure my way out of this financial chaos, I need to start working on myself. I have this quote in the beginning of the book that says, you know, work hard on yourself. Um, I'm sorry, work hard on your career, make a good living. Work hard on yourself, you make a fortune. So I really just started working on myself um, and creating this practice around faith and spirituality. I have a, a, a pretty uh, disciplined meditation practice that I have now. Um, I really am focused on taking care of my body because, again, to make a quote from the book, if you don't take care of your body, where are you going to live? Mm. Um, so for me, I reprioritized when my feet hit the floor in the morning, how I'm going to line out my day. Now I'm a family man. I have two, I have two children that I'm responsible for. So that's a big part of my, my time investment on a daily basis. Um, friends are a big thing to me. And then there's this finance and the finance, you can't just put your head in the sand and not pay the bills and not focus on, um, on how you're going to create a living and give back. And so 2008 to 2011, we fought off, basically fought off bankruptcy and then slowly, very humbly, um, with very controlled fixed overhead, started rebuilding our business. And fast forward to today, we're, we're blessed and we have a pretty good sized portfolio. I've gotten completely rid of all of my personal debt. Uh, we do have debt on the business that we're, we continue to chip away at, but there's a, there's a big difference between good debt and bad debt. Um, I don't. Yeah, you know, we don't have we don't have any we don't have any personal debt. We have we have millions of dollars of debt on the real estate in our business, but our tenants pay that debt down for us. Um, we use leverage, very conservative leverage, with the banks today. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm focused on what matters most for me and my family, and then in service. I'm I'm, I'm at a point where I'm hyper focused on service now. 
And for people listening, uh, you know, they tune into these stories to help them find their flow, to help them find and follow their passion. Like from what you've just described, it sounds like you kind of reshifted all your priorities. So you looked at your life, you looked at where you were spending your time. And actually by shifting where you were spending your energy, so you invested your energy firstly in your faith, which meant that you were tuning in on a daily basis with through your meditation. And then actually you were really focused on your own health and well-being, your own fitness. Is it kind of fair to say that you kind of set the foundations there and that's kind of had a really positive impact and flow into other area other areas of your life? Well yeah, I mean so you know you're you have a real estate background and so we can use the analogy if you build your house on a on a sand on a sand foundation, good luck is the whole shit's gonna come tumbling down. So for me, yes, I think to answer your question, I, I, I said, I got to work on myself um, because yeah. at the end of the day, if I'm not at peace with myself, Kitty, and if I'm not in a good place spiritually, and again, this has nothing to do with religion, but if I don't have inner peace, then I'm going to be a shitty husband. I'm going to be a shitty dad. I'm not going to be a good friend to anyone and my business is going to suffer. Um, so I really just completely flipped everything on its head. I went from working 12 hours a day and hyper-focused on chasing money um, to flipping that on its head and working on myself. And by default, um, being at a peaceful place with myself. And again, I don't have it all figured out. This whole thing is a process, not an event I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, be, but by putting my uh, focus on myself in a, in a spiritual way, not in a narcissistic way, um, the other four areas that I talk about, the fitness and the friends and the family and the finance, they flow a lot easier. Um, there's a lot less resistance. There's a lot less drama. Um, I'm no longer in reaction mode. I'm responding to things. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been a game changer for me. It's, 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 it's looking at what are your, ask yourself the question, what are your priorities? And then ask yourself, how are you investing your time? If those things are lined up, then great. Keep doing what you're doing. But I'm, I know with conviction that there's a complete disconnect for most people out there. Mm. Um, and so ask yourself that question, what matters most around those five relationships and how are you investing your time and where do, we, where do you need to make some shifts and, and changes? Mm. And it's very counter, if like say I'm just thinking someone listening, maybe they're struggling with money, maybe that they are having that, you know, that pressure and it's pressure we put on ourselves predominantly. Um, but then to flip how you look at things and actually then bring it back to yourself feels really counterintuitive, but actually it you know it shifts everything yeah and it goes back to that conversation of needs and wants if you have a roof over your head and you have food on the table then you can take a step back um and and this isn't putting your head in the sand and ignoring your bills and not focusing on building your business but really ask yourself the question if you're not scrambling for food or, or picking fruit out of a tree to feed your family then your basic needs are met. So now it becomes a conversation about what are your wants and what matters most to you. Um, I think for the majority, the most most people living in, in the Western Hemisphere and North America in general um, have most of their, their needs met. Um, I know there's exceptions to that rule, um, but I think for your listeners, the people that are listening and viewing this, I think that probably the, the reality is that most of the needs are met. So now it becomes a conversation on what matters most to you and then figuring out how you're going to invest your time. Mm, really beautiful. And then, you know, it, it is a, an amazing place when you start to dance and have that flow in your life. It's a completely different experience, really, rather than being on that rat race of life almost ruling you. 
Yeah, and I'm happy you use the word flow there. So I actually have a bonus, two bonus chapters at the end of the book that are called fun and flow. So for me, if you're not having fun sprinkled throughout all these relationships, then good luck because none of them are going to be sustainable. And then I talk about flow. I'm a big fan of uh, Stephen Kotler. Um, I don't know if you know Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. They have a book called uh, Abundance, which really goes into great detail and science around uh, the flow state. Um, so to, to give you guys an example of flow, because it sort of sounds like some, yeah, it gives you some, it sounds like some woo-woo bullshit out there, right? So I'm a very tangible guy. Um, and I only like talking about from experience versus theory. So flow, what flow looks like for me is when I talk about, I know you're a big fan of helping people find their purpose and their passion, right? For me, I think there's a, there's a huge difference between what your, what your purpose is and what you're passionate about. I think that they can connect, but to me, my purpose and my passion are two different conversations. But when we talk about flow, um, and I use the example in the book, you know, I, I told you guys earlier that my passion is surfing, right? So a lot of people would probably put that in the compartment of fitness because I'm out there sweating and moving and working on my, on my, on my surfing game and my fitness. But I, I use the example of flow in, for me, when I'm in the ocean, it's, it's, it's definitely working on my fitness. It's a great workout and I sweat, but it's also really hyper-focused on working on my faith and my spirituality. Cause for me, I find I, I joke and say that I'm going to church um, when I go to the beach and I go in the ocean because I'm really, it's when I feel the most connected to my God or my spirit. Um, the ocean is a pretty spiritual place. There's a lot of energy out there. So I'm touching faith when I'm, I'm touching fitness first because I'm working, I'm out there working out and getting a sweat. I'm absolutely connected to my faith and my spirituality. Um, I spend a ton of time in the ocean and at the beach with my family. Um, it's, you know, fortunately for me, we live on a little barrier Island where I can walk to the beach and my kids love it. My wife loves it. So it's a big connector of family. Um, I've made some of my best friends, um, and I surf on a daily basis with some of my good friends locally, um, and take surf trips around the world with friends. So it works on my friendships, you know, this, 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 uh, focus around fitness and surf. It connects me to all of those things. And then to be coy with you, some of the biggest real estate deals I've ever done in the last 20 years were originated out in the surf lineup with some Australian investors, which I talk a lot about it in, uh, in my book, um, who have become some of my best friends. They started out as strangers. Um, then, they, then they became investors through um, surfing and having that connection through the ocean. Um, and now they're some of my best friends. One of them is the godfather of my, my four-year-old son. So that's that's what we talk about when we talk about flow. So uh, we compartmentalize our lives around these five relationships, which everyone can relate to. Then you've got to have fun and you've got to have flow in it. And I think everyone could probably talk about a, a similar situation in their own lives where, yes, you have these five Fs but, and there's got to be flow. But I love what you said there, because by following what you just isn't you know you love like totally love i can hear it in your voice when you talk about surfing but by following that inadvertently all this other stuff has opened up through that so you know one of the things we do do on kitty talks is in, is to encourage people to do what lights them up and go towards that you know and take consistent action on a daily basis and that's a beautiful example of how that even has impacted your business life and all the investors came through that yeah yeah and i you know i mean for me, purpose and passion are two different conversations, and I'm not here to prescribe or tell people what their 
purpose or passion is, but I'm my, I guess the way I would describe it to you is, is obviously I'm, my passion is surfing and having anything to do with the ocean. Uh, my purpose is I'm crystal clear is to love, be loved and to serve. So the way I'm serving is through this book, um, through providing freedom of time through real estate investments for our investor community. Um, and then we have a business called Family Board Meetings, which we haven't even talked about, but that's bringing parents and kids together um, and nurturing the parent-child relationship. And we use the ocean as a theme and we use, we go to, we just got back from Utah and did a parent-child retreat in, in the mountains of Utah. But yeah, my, my purpose and my passion are, are two different things, but they do collide. They definitely come, come together. But I think for people out there trying to figure out what their purpose and their passion is, I want to be clear that I would never tell you to, to not follow your bliss. I think you should absolutely listen to what Kitty's saying and, and follow your bliss and follow your passion. But I would, be, I would caution you that if you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills right now or how to create wealth or freedom of time, don't tell yourself that you have to make money from your passion. I don't make money from surfing, but I do it every day. I'm completely passionate about it. I'm hooked on it. It's like a healthy addiction, but that's not how I pay the bills. Um, so I want to I want to caution you to understand the difference between purpose and passion, I think is what I'm trying to say. I think there's probably a lot of people out there that are making a ton of money from their from their passion, and that's beautiful. Um, and those things do collide and they come together. I'm, I've done a lot of thinking about purpose and passion. And for me, those are two different conversations. Mm. I think everyone is on their own, their own journey. And I think different people will have different expressions of purpose and whether there will be passion. I think by hopefully by listening to your story, though, they will have been inspired to go towards what it is that they enjoy. So. And that's a, at the end of the day, it's all about fun. I mean, if you're not sprinkling fun throughout all, all your days and, all your relationships. I mean, there's this perceived or this perceived chaos out there in the world. And at the end of the day, we're here for about a hundred years. So why, why not enjoy, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brian, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation and we're going to have all of Brian's details, more about his book, his website. It's all going to be in the show notes. Um, but thank you. I'm going to look up the five Fs because I think that's a really beautiful framework for us to have a almost a lens for us to look at our life through. Thank you so much, Kitty. It's been a pleasure. We will see you again next week on Kitty Talks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website. Become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.